Welcome to Lady Bits in Leadership, a brave space where women come together to share stories about our bodies, our sexuality, and motherhood. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Vogel, and my mission in life is helping women feel less alone, process their trauma, and build the lives they desire. So if you're ready to join a community of women who have found their voices, who have become liberated from shame and reclaim their power, then you're in the right place, girl. You found us. We're so happy you're here. Aloha, my loves. It's so good to be back. I have a solo episode for you today on premenstrual dysphoric disorder, depression, anxiety, and ADHD. And if you're like, whoa, that's a lot of shit. Yeah, it's all in my head. (laughs) Literally been diagnosed with them all this year. So I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about what the symptoms were that got me into a doctor and then eventually a therapist and a psychiatrist. And it was really related to becoming a new mom, becoming a mom during the pandemic. And so I believe that many of you who are out there listening can either relate because you yourself are a mom, you're going to become a mom, you currently have a baby, you're struggling with your mental health, you're a partner of someone who has a baby or who may be struggling with their own mental health, or you love someone who's struggling with their mental health. And so I do believe that even if you're not a woman, even if you're not a parenting person, that this will be an important episode to listen to because we don't put a lot of time and effort into understanding what mental health feels like and what the signs and symptoms are and what are the best ways to address it. So I do want to tell you, I recorded this in July of 2022 during a depressive episode. And so I was in my bed lying horizontally, just talking into my phone. And I wanted to do this because I wanted to capture what it feels like to have depression while you're in a depressive episode. You will notice a difference between my voice tone and my rhythm and my speaking now and how I speak then. It's really slow. It's much more muted. It's much more monotone. And again, I wanted to show you what that sounds like, what depression sounds like, because you may be experiencing it, your family or friends, someone that you love may be experiencing it. And it's really important to understand that everything, when someone's going through depression, everything changes. And so I dive really deeply into what it feels like for me. I tried really hard to describe it, although sometimes it feels indescribable. I talk about what it was like being diagnosed with premenstrual dysphoric disorder. For those who don't know, PMDD, it's an extreme form of PMS. And I know it brings about a lot of, it might bring about a lot of like, wait, what? Indeed, this is a real thing. Real people have it, including myself. And for me, what PMDD looks like is extreme depression. Others experience different things, but for me, it's heightened depression and anxiety And so during this, so I talk about during this process of getting diagnosed and how I started medication, which is a whole segment of it, which I also think is really important to know just because it is really hard to start new meds and to adjust to new meds. And so I talk about what it took for me to go through a months long process of adjusting and trying new medication. My medication now that I'm on is Stratera for ADHD and Lexapro for depression and generalized anxiety disorder. And I love them. I mean, they've been working pretty well so far. And my head is much clearer. I don't experience depression as severely or as frequently as I used to. And I'm going to be on them for a little while. I don't know if I'm going to be on them forever. I'm trying to do other interventions such as working out, talk therapy, nutrition. There's lots of ways to address this. However, 
I also know that I'm very happy taking medication now. So if you're someone who may be struggling with medication, curious about medication, that section could be great for you. This was a hard episode for me to to listen to again. It was really hard. It's really hard to be vulnerable and ask for help. It's really hard to share the intimate thoughts of one's brain. But I felt like it was necessary because so many of you, as I post about being diagnosed with depression and anxiety, are like, oh my God, this might be me. Yes, it might be you. So listen to the episode. Listen to my tips and tricks. If you have questions, please, please, please let me know because the sooner that you can be on the path to healing and understanding what's going on in your brain, the better. The last thing that I'll say is I have been talking to my therapist a lot about depression and anxiety, and she's been working with me to reframe the way that I think about it. She's like, Sarah, you know, you really talk about depression and anxiety and your ADHD as like a detriment. And I said, because it is. And she's like, well, I'd like to push back a little bit and just say that, you know, we all have brains that function a little bit differently from one another. So I want you to think about your brain as a garden where just different flowers grow, different flowers grow than your husband's garden in his brain, and that will grow from your son's garden in his brain. And you just have little depression daisies and little anxiety and theoriums. <laughs> I thought, that's really cute, girl. That's really cute. I like that a lot. Sometimes the way that we think about things like depression and anxiety do change the way that we perceive ourselves and the way that we perceive our reality and whether it is a detriment or not. So just something for you to consider that I'd pass on from, you know, hours of therapy. <laughs> all right. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I love you all so much. But before we start this episode, I have to put a quick plug in for my girl, Kelsey Audison Viegas of AutoBooks. Listen, if you're a business owner of a small or large business, you do not have time to be doing your own books. No one has time for QuickBooks except for my girl, Kelsey. So if you want to be focused on building profits in your business rather than tooling over all this Excel spreadsheets and different queries of QuickBooks, then our girl is for you. You can find out more about Kelsey and her bookkeeping solutions at O. O-T-T-O-B-O-O-K-S-L-L-C.com. That's O-T-T-O-B-O-O-K-S-L-L-C.com. Hi, everyone. This might be the hardest podcast that I record. I have talked a lot about tough issues like abortion, relationship violence, emotional abuse, sexual assault. This one might be the hardest for me for a couple reasons. And what I'm going to talk about today is depression and ADHD. So as many of you know, if you follow me online, that I talk a lot about my diagnosis with depression and ADHD that occurred this past year, 2022. A lot led me to this place. And before we back up, I just want to let folks know that I'm currently depressed. So my depression is different. Um, than other people's. It stems from premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD. And what that means is that in certain times of my cycle, my menstruation cycle, I experience like really extreme symptoms. So I've never had cramps. I've always had just kind of back aches and um, issues with digestion. But Depression was always something that I also dealt with. I just was able to manage it much better before having a child. I never called it depression because it never got so bad that I couldn't function. I just cried a lot for a couple days at a time. And then I would tell my partner, Leo, that I just needed to sleep and it would be over with. After having a baby, though, 
the depression became much more intense and severe and it came about for longer periods of time. So instead of like two to three days, it was like four to six or seven days. I mean, these were long bouts of depression. I'm so grateful that I don't experience it daily. Like I'm sure some people do, but I really kind of, I really experienced a severe change in it after having a baby. And of course that was paired with having a six month old when the pandemic happened and we're still currently in a pandemic and very much feeling the effects of that. It wasn't until maybe, I guess a year and a half ago, maybe a little less, that my husband and I had a big talk about getting help. I had had our son in September of 2019 and for the most part was doing okay. I mean, the first six months is a haze. You're not sleeping, you're irritable, your body's changing. There's a lot going on. But after that happened, the periods of irritability, sadness, hopelessness just continued. I just assumed it was because our lives were in turmoil. We were going through a pandemic. We were moving to Hawaii. We were living with my parents for about eight months. My husband didn't have a job. There was just a lot of turmoil internally in our family. And I thought, well, this is just a natural reaction of that. But as we stabilized and he began a job and we found a home, my turmoil emotionally didn't end. And so it wasn't until one day where my husband was like, you know, Sarah, I just, I don't really know what to do anymore. Like you and I have had multiple conversations, but you're always sad. Um, you're always feeling so awful and so helpless and hopeless. And I, I just don't know what to do. He's like, honestly, I just, I miss you. And I don't know. I think you need to talk to someone professionally. And that was really hard for me to hear um, because for the past like year and a half I had been trying to solve what I was feeling emotionally by myself. I had a master's in counseling. I had been counseling and advising students for 15 years now. Um, I thought I had all the skills to like heal myself and when I realized that as hard as I tried, I was not doing that. I was not healing myself. I was not getting better. I was not feeling better. I decided to call a therapist through my EAP program at my work. I have to say, uh, <laughs> I have referred <laughs> hundreds of people to a therapist. I walk people to the therapy office on campus. Like it, I am not opposed to therapy. But picking up the phone to seek therapy myself was quite a humbling experience. It's a really vulnerable place to be in because you realize that you do need an outsider, essentially a stranger, to come in and talk to you about what's going on. And it just is so much harder than contacting a doctor. Like if you have a pain in your tooth and you call your dentist or you have a pain in your chest and you call your doctor. It's like, there's no big deal. I mean, I can't fix my tooth. I can't fix my arm. I can't fix my chest. But for whatever reason, what's going on in my head, there's so much more shame around that. There's so much more stigma. There's so much more convincing yourself that what you're experiencing isn't that serious. It isn't that bad. I don't need this. I can fix it myself. 
I mean, there's just so many thoughts that run through and that did run through my mind when I was making that call. But I kept thinking back to the conversation I had with my husband, who, as someone who loves me and supports me unconditionally, was like, I cannot help you any longer. Like, this has run its course for for me and my expertise and my love for you, and, and you need this. And so I picked up the phone and called, and they were incredibly nice and supportive and said that, you know, they would set me up with someone. And even getting the appointment set up to talk to a therapist again was like, am I really doing this? Like, has it really come to this? When I went to my therapist's office, I didn't know what to expect. I don't even think I looked her up on Google to see what she looked like. I walked into a very humble office. There was a dollhouse because she did therapy with children as well. She had a cat in the office because she's super into animals and saving animals, which is just indicative of her gentleness and her kindness and her love and empathy. And um, I sat down and when she asked me, you know, what I'm in for, I couldn't help but to break down. I think that's pretty common for a lot of people who go to seek therapy, at least for the first time. The tears were just showing her that, like, I was really, really struggling. Um, And when I explained to her that, like, I have been struggling to find happiness and joy and meaning and purpose in life since having a kid, um, just hearing those words come out of my mouth, just elicited so much shame. I saw so many of my friends like loving motherhood and loving being a parent. And I just hated it. I hated where my life had gone. I hated that I had chosen this, that I didn't even need to choose this. I didn't have to have a kid. I was perfectly happy. And here I was a year and a half into having a baby and I was still so sad still feeling like nothing was right in my life. And when we really broke it down, you know, I remember one of the first revelations that I had was like, I just want to be alone and I want to be in quiet and I want to be in peace. And there had been no solitude for like, I don't know, since he was born a year and a half of just work. I mean, it really felt like a hamster wheel, like I just woke up to serve other people, whether it was feeding the baby or going to work or pleasing my husband or maintaining the house. It was just like a job that never ended. And the only reprieve that I had was like going to get a Starbucks coffee in the morning and sitting in my car thinking, well, at least I get this 10 minutes to enjoy a $3.50 cup of coffee. (sighs) And that was a really hard thing to say out loud. Now, that's what got me in the door. And that was kind of the first step of the conversation. And it has since evolved dramatically because of that. I've been connected with with a psychiatrist because no matter how much talk therapy was happening, I felt like I needed more support. Um, again, my mood swings were not changing they were not getting better. They were still incredibly, when I got low or when I got depressed, it was really low. Um, When I say low, what I mean is like a sense of hopelessness to where I cannot see the point in life. 
I've never thought about killing myself, but I just don't see that there's really a reason that any of us are here, myself included. Like if I were to lose everything in my heart during depression, I'm just like, well, that's just how it is. I don't really care anyway. Like if everyone that I loved were gone, it'd be fine because I don't actually love them. That um, absence of love and empathy is a weird fucking place to be in, especially for those who know me or if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I have an incredible amount of love and empathy and it's just completely depleted during these times of the month. Now I'm conscious of it. Now I know that I experience premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which includes depression and anxiety for me. I'm conscious of it, but even today, for example, I'm doing this podcast from bed because the only thing that feels good to me during these times is literally lying horizontal, doing nothing. It's like my entire system collapses and it says, not today, bitch, not today. Um, I did end up going to work today. I worked for a couple hours and around noon, I came home and I picked up lunch on the way home because the thought of cooking was just, or even assembling any kind of food was beyond my capabilities. And I laid down in bed and have been laying down for about two hours now. My brain doesn't work during this time, not really. It's really hard for me to process information. Um, it's really hard for me to talk to anyone without crying. It's so bad that I, when working with my psychiatrist, um, we together applied for ADA accommodations, which again, never thought that I would do. Never thought that I had depression first and foremost. And then when I realized I did have depression and anxiety, never thought that I, that that would be a basis for ADA accommodations at work. But when you find that your condition that you're experiencing affects you so greatly, having accommodations to help during these times provides protections for you during these times due to your disability is so amazing. Saying the word disability is so hard for me too, right? Because depressive episodes do count as a disability. And yet I'm constantly battling that I have a disability. And the reason being is because I still I still think to myself, Sarah, just snap out of it. You know what you're experiencing. Just pick yourself up. Just get back on the computer. Get on the phone. Just keep doing your work. And I, I'm conscious of it. And I want to. I fucking want to work. I just can't. It's so hard to describe depression to someone who doesn't doesn't experience it and I've had to do it over and over and over again in fact even when talking to my friend who's the director of HR I'm like okay this might sound a little odd but this is how it is you know when I'm describing it to my husband or my parents or my in-laws or friends of mine I mean it sounds in my head like I'm making this shit up but I am not it feels like a fog rolls over and I can see it coming and I can feel it. It's like this tingling. I can just fucking feel it coming. And I'm terrified of it. And there's nothing that I can do to stop it. And once the fog has rolled over and everything's miserable and everything's hopeless 
And I want to literally run away from everything. I want to quit everything, including my family. I want to quit being a mom. I want to quit being a wife. I want to quit um, my job. I want to quit my business. I want to quit participating in the community. I want to leave my clients. I want everything gone. I want to run away to anywhere from here because everything that I'm dealing with, like just life shit, is just the thought of it is overwhelming. I can't do it. But the wild thing is, I have to do it. I have to wake up and take a shower, play with my son, get him to daycare, go to work, function there relatively well, interact with people, go to the grocery store, all the normal life activities when in like inside the entire time I'm doing that, I feel fucking dead. I feel like this is all just a simulation that like, again, none of it matters. And I'm just going through the motions over and over again until I die. And when I'm not in this state, like I am right now, it's even harder to put words to it, to put descriptors to it. But I'm really trying my best to share kind of what goes on in my head because I know so many of you might be dealing with similar situations. I know so many of you might have loved ones who are going through these types of situations and you want to be more prepared to help them. For me, what has helped me the most is finding a therapist that I can trust, having people like my husband encourage me to go because God knows if he didn't, I'd probably still be trying to fix it on my own. It took an outsider to say, you need help, you know, and that must have been really hard for him to say that. Um, There's a vulnerability in being the support role as well. It took a great therapist to, you know, to know when her kind of limitations ended and when she said you'd probably be better served along with a psychiatrist alongside our talk therapy. It took a great psychiatrist listening to me when I told her what I'm experiencing and when I struggled with medication, which I'll get to in a bit, to say, okay, we'll try something else and we'll try something else and we'll try something else. Um, It's taken a great general practitioner to meet with me to have coinciding care, a nutritionist that I'm working with, to again advise me on different ways that we can think about the body systems holistically and how we can use food as medicine. It just takes a system, a supportive system to make sure that folks like myself who live with depression can still live fulfilling lives. And so I do want to take a minute to talk about medication because Similar to calling a therapist, similar to going to the therapist, it took me a while to get to that realization that, like, I really do need to take this medicine. I'm not opposed to medicine. I just, I have my birth control in my arm because I am forgetful with medication because I have ADHD. I just know that I don't appreciate having to take daily medication. It's just yet another thing that I often will forget and feel guilty about afterwards. When I met with a psychiatrist and she did her intake, there's no blood test that can be done, but based off of the intake that she did where she asked me a ton of questions, 
that I did have PMDD and that I have experienced depression my entire life. It just was exacerbated by changes after having a baby and the pandemic that she recommended a low dose of medication. And so about six months ago, I started taking medication. And when I say that has been a wild ride, it has been a wild ride. I started with a medication that immediately gave me stomach pains and bowel issues, digestive issues. And the solution, similar to lots of other medications, is just keep trying it and seeing if your body adjusts to it. So there was two weeks of straight diarrhea. And when I was like, okay, it's not working, psychiatrist immediately put in an order for another type of SSRI or depression medication. And so I tried that medication and it was immediate rash on my neck, like all over, super itchy and had to immediately get off of it. And the next medication was prescribed. And that one as well, it irritated my stomach a lot and gave me kind of IBS. So anytime I ate anything, it was immediately fleshing out my bowels. It was the wildest experience anyone with IBS I feel for you I hadn't shit solid like had a solid shit in months and finally we landed on Lexapro which I'm currently on and we did it in a liquid form to try and help my body adjust to very very low doses all the way up to where I am now and even now that I've been on Lexapro for a couple months and it's been the best working one and it's helped to regulate and stabilize my mood There's still days like today when I just wake up and that tingling started and I just knew it was not going to be a good day. And I had texted my husband. I'm like, why the fuck do I take medication if I still feel like this? And he had to remind me like, Sarah, this is so you don't have this so often. It's so you have it once in a while versus all the time. It was never promising you that it was going to cure everything. And I so appreciate his honesty and his candor because I do have to remind myself that this is a condition I'm going to live with for the rest of my life. And I can try and take medication and change my diet, and I am, and I'm, I'm trying, but giving myself the space and the grace to deal with the changes in hormones in my body, the changes of levels of serotonin and dopamine in my brain that shit I can't control I just can't and so really this year of year and a half really of understanding the changes in my brain has been incredibly empowering because I now have names for things that I experience I now have accepted, I've gone through all the stages of grief and accepted that I do have depression and I do have anxiety and I do have ADHD. Um, But it's also been incredibly tiring. I'm just tired and I'm extra tired today because of the depression. I wanted to share this solo episode because I want to bring awareness to this topic. I want to bring awareness to premenstrual dysphoric disorder. I want to bring enlightenment to the fact that like when you have a child your body and mind fundamentally changes which I don't think we emphasize enough when we talk about pregnancy and birthing 
And that I did want to emphasize that we, that with a system of support, um, whether that's a partner or a friend or a loved one, find yourself a really good gynecologist or primary care doctor or psychiatrist, therapist, that that has been how I've healed the fastest. Doing my research, getting connected and plugged into a system of support, talking to people about it, being vulnerable and opening up so that when I started to open up, people were like, let me help you. This is what you have. Um, that has been the fastest way to getting support. And again, one of the reasons that I share all, all the shit that I share is because there is so much sh- shame and stigma attached to mental health. And there's so much shame and stigma attached to maternal mental health and so much shame and stigma around our bodies and our reproductive systems and our sexuality and just being a woman in general. The more we can talk about what we experience and bring light to these situations, the more that people might be able to say, hey, me too. I This sounds like me. And be, begin to get help. I know I didn't spend a ton of time on ADHD, so I'll quickly go over that. In the process of talking to a psychiatrist, talking to a therapist, ADHD actually came up kind of randomly. I was on TikTok and somehow my algorithm was like, girl, I think you have ADHD. And as I started to watch these women in particular talk about their symptoms of ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, I started to think to myself, wait a minute, that sounds like me. I don't understand. What is this? Like it, I was like, am I making this up? That was what I thought at first. I was like, I'm making this up. But the more that they describe some of the symptoms, and there's so many when we're talking about ADHD, you know, everything from in the middle of a sentence, you know, you're on a train of thought and then you divert into a bunch of other trains of thought only to then circle back and be like, what was I originally talking about? To always forgetting your keys or losing your phone constantly or never being able to get out of the house because you can't remember exactly what you need to take with you, which is a struggle every single day when I take Nainoa to daycare. It's like I have my stuff, his stuff, stuff for the gym, stuff for my office, like Getting us ready in the morning is incredibly taxing emotionally and mentally for me. Always writing things down or having to-do lists and then forgetting my to-do list somewhere happened to me constantly. Being exhausted or fatigued after studying because you feel like you're constantly reading the same stuff over and over again and still not figuring it out. The examples, I feel like, are endless And when I saw some of these examples and I had already connected to a psychiatrist, I said, you know, um, doc, this is going to sound really weird. And it did take a lot of courage for me to say I saw this on TikTok because saying it out loud, I sounded like an idiot, or at least that's what I thought I sounded like. I said, but on TikTok, I saw these people talking about ADHD and I felt like I connected to a lot of the stuff that they were talking about. Again, her being a supportive doctor, she was like, well, let's walk you through an assessment. So she asked me a lot of questions about my past, a lot of questions about my brain and the struggles that I've had, uh, both in the past and currently. And after, you know, giving me a full intake, she got back to me and uh, about a week later and said, you know, Sarah, I think 
it's most likely you have ADHD. And the more that I've read about it, um, the more that I've researched it, the more that I realize that ADHD, depression, and anxiety often coexist together. It has been quite a ride to learn, to really like dive deeply into the functioning of my brain. Uh, I read study after study to confirm for me if what I'm experiencing is real, because again, there's a part of me that still doesn't believe it. There's a part of me that still thinks I'm making it up or that I'm being a big baby or that I'm being childish or just immature. And again, a lot of that unlearning is because we tell people, just suck it up, just grow up, stop acting like this, stop being a little baby. And what I've learned, especially about ADHD, is that it is often undiagnosed or underdiagnosed in women because we tend to find ways to mask our ADHD. So for example, I am very, very forgetful about a lot of things. And sometimes that becomes a detriment because I'll forget things at work or I'll make silly mistakes at work. And so I'll get written up for them. So in order to mask that or to make up for that, I have become hyper organized. When you look at my email, it's always everything's in a folder. When you look at my calendar, everything's on my calendar, even like travel to meeting. I am constantly asking my phone to set alarms for things because I don't want to get written up and I don't want to get in trouble for the lack of memory or the lack of ability to remember what I have to do. My to-do lists for work are always shuffling around. They're always changing. Um, And it takes a lot of effort to just get myself organized so that I can then do my work, which again adds to the fatigue that I often feel. A lot of you, as I post things, are like, oh, that's me too. If you're a woman in particular, again, we are often undiagnosed because we don't generally, women don't have the hyperactivity. So you don't often see this in women. We have more of the inability to process um, our process our emotions or process kind of the step-by-step guide on how to do life, if that makes sense. I would check it out. And for those who have asked me, like, how did you get checked out? Honestly, I just started talking first to my primary care doctor, then to my psychiatrist. I talked to my therapist. So if you don't have a therapist or primary care doctor or a psychiatrist, start by getting one of those. Ideally, a primary care would, you know, be able to refer you to a psychiatrist and then do some homework. Look up the medical articles. There are TikToks. I mean, obviously, it's just random people like myself who are not generally medical professionals or psychiatric professionals talking about their experiences. Do some research and learn a little bit about it. There's a ton of books. One that I'm reading right now, which is really amazing, and I'll have to link it in the show notes. But it's about being neurodivergent, which is the new term for people whose brains are atypical. They're not the typically functioning brain. I think that was the other thing that as I watch these ADHD videos or these people talking about their diagnosis and their condition is that I'm like, wait a minute, isn't this, doesn't everyone forget stuff? But like, I just have a really bad time remembering. And what I've realized is that no, (laughs) people don't live like me. People's brains aren't constantly running 
wild with thoughts and with lots of reminders and with lots of disconnected thoughts. And one thought leads to another. And soon you're in this little spiraling black hole of like you're learning about how Swiss cheese is made when you really just wanted to look up where your doctor's office was. It is an incredibly distracting, incredibly loud, incredibly noisy place in my head. And I honestly just thought everyone's head functioned like that. And I just had a poor time controlling it, which is partially true. Not everyone's brain is that wild, but I do have a hard time controlling my brain. And so when my doctor said, would you like to try some ADHD medication? I was like, well, fuck it. We're already on depression medication and a multivitamin. So let's just keep going. And so I said, yes. And for those who have asked me, like, has it helped you? I'm really only in the second week of trying it. It's a non-stimulant kind. It's called Stratera. And I think it's helping, but I know that with both the depression meds and I think with the ADHD meds, I just in general get tired. That's probably the biggest drawback with regards to the medication is I'm just more tired. But I don't like I didn't take an ADHD pill and feel like, whoa, I'm so zippy or I'm so hyper focused. Like ADHD gives you hyper focus if you if you like what you're doing or if you're excited about it, you're able to just really dive in and kind of lose a sense of time when you're working on projects that you really love. But when it's something you don't love, like currently I'm battling having to do businessy things for my business, like budgeting and getting tax stuff ready and getting insurance stuff ready. I'm like, oh my God, this is like the worst task ever. And I do everything to avoid it. So I will get back to you on the medication I think it's working, but, you know, with the depression meds, I know for sure it's working because I feel this sense of depression much less than I used to, which I am so appreciative of. So thank you, Lexapro. Um, and with the Stratera, it remains to be seen, but I'm hopeful that, you know, the fact that I'm even aware of what's going on in my head and that I have a diagnosis for it is really so much further than I was a year ago that a year from now I'll be in an even better place because I'll be learning how to deal with both the depression and the ADHD from a behavioral lens. So for example, today, taking the time that I need to lie down, taking a shower to feel like a reset, putting on perfume and lotion to feel better, to feel clean, to feel reset is the best word that I have right now, to feel like I'm not going to be in this space forever because although it feels like it when you're in depression that like this is just your life now and this is this is it, you're going to be in this black hole forever. I've been here countless times and I know that it will pass, but it's still, it's really, really hard to show up for yourself and others who are depending on you during this time. I hope this gave you a little bit of clarity of not only where I've been, like I have not posted podcasts in so long, and I apologize, I want to, I just, I've just needed the space to deal with what's going on in my head. I've needed the space to take my medication, to process, and to get better. And so I, I love you all. I appreciate the space and grace that you give me. And I appreciate the community that we've built together. 
Let me know if you have questions about this episode. I'm happy to answer it as best as I can. As you know, I'm not. Although I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor of someone, meaning someone can do research and original research and writing, but I am not a medical doctor. So I will probably, um, you know, my expertise and experience only goes so far. But if you have not gotten yourself a therapist, girl, go get one. If you don't have a primary care, girl, go get one. Well, this is enough. Thank you for allowing me this space and the love as always to share my most intimate self, to share the trials and tribulations that women have every day so that we can eliminate shame and live our most powerful lives. I love you all. Bye.